just jumping in really quickly at the start of today's episode to tell you about some upcoming opportunities to see us live in the flesh. And you can see us live at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2024. We are doing three live podcasts on Sundays at 3.30 at Basement Comedy Club, April 7, 14 and 21. You can get tickets at dogoonpod.com. Matt, you're also doing some shows around the country. That's right. I'm doing shows with Saren Jaimana, who's been on the show before. We're going to be in Perth in January, Adelaide in February, Melbourne through the festival in April and then Brisbane after that. I'm also doing Who Knew It's in Perth and Adelaide. Uh, details for all that stuff at mattstewartcomedy.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs then medium wigs. Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On, the podcast that is sweeping the nation. My name is Dave Warnicky. Just trying to add a bit of sizzle to the intro here. And I'm here with uh, Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Hey Dave, how's it going? Curious as to which nation we're sweeping. Uh, South Korea. Wow. We are taking off. I love their flag. Maybe my favourite flag. Really? Why would you say it's your favourite? I don't know. It's got the red and the yellow ball and then the characters around the outsider and the white. I think the white makes the red and blue ball pop. Yeah. Don't you reckon? Nice. We were over the Japanese flag, the red ball popping. That pops hard. T- too hard, probably. Sorry. Probably too hard. I like. Well, I like a little. I like the other th- elements. Okay. What's your? Well, anyway, I was going to ask what your favorite flag is. That's the dumbest. Jamaican. Okay, great. That Jamaican. is another good flag. Yes. Uh, the South African flag, seven different colors. Pretty yeah, good. That's another pretty good. good. Flag. That's Taking a good them off. Of Interesting that none color. of us said the Australian flag. Pretty rubbish flag. It's pretty shit. <laughs> on the on the scale of flags. Nah. Change it, I reckon. Yeah. 
Yeah, to the South Korean flag. That's what I reckon. Yeah. I agree. That's swapsies. Finally. If, if funnily enough, if we change it to the South Korean flag, it would still look like less flags than it currently does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot going on, isn't there? There would be less confusion. <laughs> the People's Democratic Republic of South Korea in brackets Australia. <laughs> anyway, that's a fun little... Fun little thing we all learnt. Yeah, great. And hello, fun little thing. hello to our Korean listeners. Yes, of which there are now millions. Wow, just like that. All you have to do is mention a country. Well, it's because we had um, uh, Mr. Sunday Movies James on the show last week, and he's obviously massive in South Korea. Oh, he's yeah. massive everywhere, though. Yep. Yeah. He's so a big especially in the pants. <laughs> Yuck. I appreciated it. That's, yeah. There you go. He's your bloody. He's your bloody. You're gonna measure it against Dave, are you? For his bloody four. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. He's talking about his quads. <laughs> okay. He can squat 120 kgs. Wowzers. Which I believe is uh, like heaps. It's a, it's a fair bit, yeah. I couldn't do that. Seems like too much. Yeah, yeah I might have over <laughs> overcooked it there. But but anyway, we're uh, not big gym fans in the Dugan studio. Apart yeah, from gym. obviously our listener, Big Jim, over in Omaha, which I think is a place. Yeah. The guy at work I call Big Jim, mostly because he doesn't like being called Big Jim. You work in Omaha? Yeah, I work in Omaha. Is it Nebraska or Omaha, Nebraska? Wow. What a place. It's quite a commute. Look, I've taken a punt there. Don't look it up. I can see you getting your phone. Don't look it up. Back yourself. Dave, don't think about this the entire report. Put it down. You're going to think about it, though, aren't you? I accidentally said before People's Democratic Republic of South Korea, but they always call themselves just Korea. Anyway, whatevs. (laughs) Uh... We normally start the show with a question, I believe. From memory, that's how we start. Yeah, I, I did. I said, how are you? Oh, that's true. Yeah. Actually, no, I think you asked how I was anyway. And then we start the report with a question. And I've written one. Wow, and what's th- that like? And this is it. Jess, you should try it. It, is, it is a real thrill. I'm not sure. The question this week is, and this was voted on uh, by the Patreon Sydney Scheinberg Whatever that level is called. The deluxe package. So only 15 people voted on this. Everyone had quite a big say. The question is, who was the 17th Prime Minister of Australia? 17th? Who was the 17th? Oh, gosh. I mean, you guys know them all like the back of your hand. All right, Jess. It's a little bit of sizzle for later. (laughs) All right, Jess, let's go through an order. I'll say the first one, Edmund Barton. Jess, over to you. Gregory Peck. (laughs) Good. Sean William Scott. Uh, so You're going the long way around. William Wallace. Elmo. Elle McPherson. Uh, Elle McPherson's dad. If I give you his first name, maybe um, that'll help you in. Harold. Holt. Holt, that's it. Harold Holt. Harold Holt. H-H. The runaway winner. I was worried it would be uh, James Scullin, who is my great-great-uncle, Oh, and could... that I didn't know what number he was. <gasps> I read about James Scullin when I started talking <laughs> funny and I <laughs> kept going. Did you read that about? was him. Oh, yeah. That's so funny. I re- reading, writing this report and reading up on it, I learned a lot of stuff that I didn't know about Australian political history. But yeah, I, he was not far off. Ah. I think he may be yeah, uh, not too long before. Actually, okay. quite a while before, but in, in number order, not that, um, that right. far before. Uh, Scullin was number nine. Number nine. Okay. So only eight before, but as I'll talk about, and um, basically the story picks up the very next dude. Cool. Number and, ten. And they just race through him from there. Right. 
Uh, yeah, I was like, is this a trick question? Should I know this? Oh, imagine. He is in the hat, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he is. I think he would make for a relatively interesting story, too. <laughs> That's what we aim for on this show. Mm-hmm. Relatively interesting. Well, he's a relative of mine. <laughs> hey! That's my best joke for today. You just cluck out. <laughs> I'm got out. It, got it out early. See anyway. Ya. Harold Edward Holt was born on the 5th of August 1908 in Sydney, New South Wales. Parent to parents Thomas and Olive Holt. Olive? Great name. Tom and Olive. Tom and Olive, yeah. Love it. Love it. Uh, easy, easy to please, Jess, but I love it. I do love it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tom was a teacher. Of course uh, he was. Before trying his hand as a hotelier in Adelaide, South Australia. And Olive was a physicist, obviously, as we would expect. Um, um, and continued her studies and research after marriage and into childbearing. Hmm. Are you thinking of uh, Marie Curie? Ha, ah, yes. <laughs> Easy to do. Easy I to always do. get Olive Holt and Mara Curie mixed Olive up. Holt. Every time. Oh, gosh, I'm a dag. Anyway, sorry. What a dag. <laughs> so while his parents moved to Adelaide, Harold and his brother Cliff remained in Sydney with their uncle studying at the Randwick Public School in Sydney. Cliff Holt. Cliff Holt. They, it sounds like his dad was a. He just was happy just to shuffle these his kids off to relatives. Um, so after staying with his uncle, they were then sent to a country high school with his grand, well, living with their grandparents, then onto a boarding school in Kalara, and then sent to Melbourne where he boarded at Wesley College again with his brother Cliff. You guys familiar with Wesley College? Yeah. Hmm. Purple there, Blazers. Yep. There's one near where I grew up and one near where I live now. God, that's fun, isn't it? Well, that is a fun fact. It's weird because we're never really involved. Like mm. we're, ne- we're normally miles away from the story, so it's funny that I'm yeah. like, oh, I think I know someone who went to that school. We're, we're just, aware of Melbourne, but usually it's a strange, like yeah, like <laughs> rural place in Florida or something. And yeah. we're like, nah, I've got no connection. Apart from, of course, Michael Jordan's shorts. Yes, that's right. Um, North Carolina and uh, the Jackson Five from Gary, Indiana. Uh, although we haven't done a. Anything on them? No, but it's all Michael Jordan shorts. Obviously, the spiritual home of this yeah. podcast. <laughs> it's funny that we're talking about how close we are to this, and I'm like, I, I think I might have known someone who went there once. And I'm like, I see some of those kids on the tram most mornings. It's the same. Yeah, we're really close. We're living it. To this. Uh, during his uh, during this time, his parents split up, <gasps> and when Harold was 16 and studying at Wesley, his mother passed away. Oh no. I didn't get to know Ollie very well, but Science, I really liked it. Science experiment gone wrong. Not a massive. Again, you think you've Marie Curie. Ah. Uh, despite the hard. Penicillin. <laughs> very close. That is actually uh, Olive. <laughs> <laughs> despite the unsettled years of Harold's schooling, he was a good student and also athlete, uh, doing well at both in his years at Wesley, which led to him winning a scholarship to the Queen's College at the University of Melbourne. Studying law, Holt kept up his sporting pursuits, representing the college in tennis, football, and cricket. He was also elected as a, the president of the Sports and Social Club, as well as the Law Student Society, was a member of the debating team, and he won medals for speaking and essay writing. Oh, for God's sake. In short, a bit of a high achiever. Doing um, a lot to... Um, not you know. get a girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, su- I suppress hate those a feelings. smart guy. Ugh. Smart guy who's also like... Athletic. He was ca- captain of the cricket team. Yeah. Yeah. Boo. Definitely, yeah. 
Give me a bad boy. And you know, you know the old photos of people, mm. uh, and so you know what they look like, right? And then you're researching them, and they're often called handsome or something. You're like, wow, it's a different time. Yeah, handsome I, men are different things. Yeah, then. I see photos, and I'm like, get me in there, get me in. <laughs> oh, Dave, that time, that time. Oh, okay. Oh no, I'm not like, oh yeah, get me in there. <laughs> so what you think you'd be better? Looking. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I'm saying get, get me back to 1912 because I maybe could have done all right. Hey! Hey! Oh, oh, Dave was fishing, but he caught he caught a little Jess. Hey! Hold on, sorry, Jess. I've just got something on the end of this line. <laughs> Dave, you're gorgeous. Get reeling in. Oh God, you're I feel a good. Beautiful boy. Thank you, but imagine how beautiful I would have been in 1912. Oh, so much more beautiful. Oh wow. Or just like totally bizarre. Like they can't even. They're like, what is this? What? <laughs> what? I still I get that sometimes, even in this day and age. Can you believe it? Do you walk into shops and people go, ah, oh, sorry. Do you get that? Yeah. yeah. Mm, mm. They do. You look like Man, Randall was, from Monsters, Inc. It, no, it's because I'm intimidatingly good looking. They don't right. know where to look because I'm above them. They look at your boobs. Yeah. God, sorry. And that. even they're good. <laughs> Up here, guys. <laughs> Come on. Up here. Matt, I want this to stop. Please do, please do go on. Anyway, so you're, you're saying that some photos you look back and you're like, how is this dude a hot man? Yeah, or well, just when, when they're described... As uh, you know, dashing and handsome, yeah, and that like sort I of stuff. I'm like, oh, interesting. Like maybe H.H. H. Holmes, the serial killer, was described that way because he could talk his way. You know, a lot of people right. were liking him. And then you look at that yeah. photo and you're like, ooh. Yeah. I wouldn't trust him. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't go into his basement. He looks like a serial killer. Yeah. Um, after uni, he started building up his legal practice. Sorry, but were you saying that he's actually a good looking dude? No, I'm saying, I yeah, similar. It's like, I, I, oh, maybe. I just, an he... aver- just a normal looking guy. I thought he was going to be the exception to the rule. No, no, no exception. No, Maybe damn. it's just more about personality. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Why don't they have a photo of his personality in his Wikipedia page? Yeah, come on, guys. Um, so he was only still only in his mid-20s when he started up his own legal practice. Um, Fuck. What have you done, Dave? Um, started up several legal practices. And I'm, I'm in my... I know, and I'm very proud of know, you. But I'm in my late 20s now, so it's pretty embarrassing, actually. <laughs> Uh, it was around this time in 1933 that Holt joined the United Australia Party. You guys familiar with the United Australia Party? Yes. It vaguely rang a bell. As long as you but have no follow-up <laughs> questions. That sounded a bit like the United like Patriots Front and uh, which the, pa- the Palmer United Party, both of which are not good things to be a part of in this day and age. Uh, well, it was, it was the major conservative party in Australian federal politics at the time and also the party of then Prime Minister Joseph Lyons, who was the guy who was directly following uh, your, your great-grandpappy or whatever. What, what is the relation? He's my great-great-uncle. He's my grandmother's uncle. So cool. Jess, you are so cool. Thank you so much. Oh, is that how you meant to react to that? <laughs> uh, so Hulk uh, very quickly went into contesting elections, and in the 1934 election, he ran for the UAP in the safe Labor seat of Yarra, obviously Labor being the other major party, and predictably uh, he lost, attracting only 27.3% of the vote. The following year, he again unsuccessfully contested an election, this time in the Victorian state election, uh, again in a safe Labor seat. That's a, that's but he's going to be part of the United... The Conservatives. Yes. That's right. the state that we are in. The UAE. Mm. But it sounds like he's fighting a losing battle, contesting seats that are definitely on the other yeah, side. Yeah, I think maybe that, that was just a rite of passage. I think that is how you often do it. Unless you really sort of, um, uh, you get the, what do you call it? When you get the... Heebie-jeebies. 
when you when you get tapped or whatever, is it, what's the saying? You know, you get the heebie-jeebies. Heebie-jeebies. That's it. By the by, the higher ups, they give you the heebie-jeebies, and that means you get a sweet, safe seat. Um, anyhow, another opportunity <laughs> arose in 1935 uh, when a by-election was called to fill the federal seat of Faulkner. Um, Faulkner was left vacant when its sitting member, George Maxwell, passed away. He's, an, he's another politician I never heard of, but he um, sat in the seat of Faulkner for 18 years. He was a Scottish-born politician. Um, what I found interesting about him is that in those 18 years, he represented three different parties. Uh, the Nationalist Party from 1917 to 1929. Then he went independent as well from 29 to 30. Mm-hmm. Then representing the Australian Party from 1930 to 31 before finally representing the United Australia Party from 31 to 35 when he died. That's crazy. And they were all conservative parties. So it just sort of shows how volatile politics was back then, certainly in, in party politics, which is funny when people talk about it now like it's wild. We change prime ministers every few years lately. Mm. But back then it seemed to be... Kevin 07, even still more for so. me. <laughs> Hanging on. Hanging on to the dream. Mm-hmm. You reckon Kevin Rudd will be back? <laughs> I believe so, yes. I, I, yes, that would be amazing. Kevin 07. <laughs> he spoke Mandarin. That is true. What a guy. He had those beady little glasses. You ever see that that video of him cracking the shits? Oh, he is a big sook. It was. A, it <laughs> he was a, is a big sook. <laughs> Seriously, have you ever seen someone take a ball off him? He's like, give it back. Fucking yeah, give it back. That's mine. Okay. Have you you haven't seen that video? It's so funny. Oh, you know, or whatever. But he he really just cracks it at everyone around him. He can't quite get the words out, so he's like, fuck. Fuck, fucking fuck. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> I need to see this. I'll definitely, I'll post it this so week. So good. By the way, we are, uh, for overseas people, we're talking about our former Prime Minister who was in charge, got kicked out, came back for a couple of months and got kicked out again. What a time. It was pretty crazy. <sighs> <laughs> Jess is looking into the middle distance. Kevin Rudd. When you, when you hear the national anthem, do you think of Kevin Rudd? Yes. And when I think of Kevin Rudd, I hear the national anthem. Wow. Mm-hmm. What a cycle that you're trapped in. I've got a friend at work who's Canadian who was trying to sing the Australian national anthem the other day. And, like, she did pretty well, but it was a lot of something, something, something. I was like, look, you're probably doing better than a lot of Australians. It is a it is a pretty boring song. Yeah. One of the lines is, and nature's, nature's gifts. I, when I was a kid, I thought that was nature strips. <laughs> We do have a lot of nature strips. Yeah, we got a lot of nature strips. That little bit of yard out the front of your house. What do you got? The Verge? The Verge. Is that what Americans call it? No, that's what people in, uh, I think, WA call it. The Verge. The Verge. The verge. That's great. They put it out on the, on no, the Verge. I don't like that. When I was in Year 10, sorry, just, just quickly, Matt, it is kind of political. <laughs> um, in Year 10, I had this class um, uh, where we, we looked at all of, or not all, but like a selection of national anthems from different countries and sort of like analysed what the message and what the text was. And a lot of them were like, don't fuck with us. We will cut you. We've got weapons. A lot of them are like, we are mighty. And Australians are like, come on in. Hey, we've got land. Which is ironic because we are not at all like that. Absolutely yeah, not. Unlike no. many of the countries in Europe who do ex- accept people for asylum. Exactly. But their anthems are like, we are the best and we will win. Girt by Sea is a line that people love. I love Girt by Sea. Because it's the only place you ever hear the word Girt. Girt. means surrounded by. Yeah, which we are because we're an island. I learnt that from an Andy Saunders bit. Did you? There's a whole bit about Girt. Oh, he does too. Oh, Andy. Anyway, sorry, do go on. Uh, Anyhow, 
I, mean, I wrote that in here, and it's very appropriate. Anyhow, Maxwell's death led to the by-election, which Holt won, making him one of the youngest ever members of Parliament. What have you done, Dave? Several law firms. I don't care. Have you ever been a young member of Parliament? No. Do you guys know who the youngest ever MP was? Doogie Hauser. <laughs> pretty. Is it Wyatt Roy? It is Wyatt Roy. How old was he? Twenty. Fuck off, Wyatt. And he's the same age as us, so he's 27 now. But he also, but he was in and out of parliament. Like he's already been defeated before. Before the age of 27, he he was already an ex-parliamentarian. Mate, (laughs) he's still hoping to be part of the 27 club. Oh no! Yeah, what a what a hope. But like, just be 20. You know, go to the pub. Study something dumb at uni. I reckon that's politics is a lot of going to the pub somehow. I have no idea what politics is. (laughs) 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 They just get they get paid pretty well. Like he's twenty and he would have been getting paid a couple hundred grand a year. Not like not wild amounts of money, but good money. Wild, but people always complain about like uh, people. uh, You know, we should be paying our politicians. Not actually, that's not a lot of people, but. I heard one person say that one time. Anyway, um, in 1939, which is a year that seems to come up in every second report. I just want to get to the 40s. <laughs> Prime Minister, in 1939, Prime Minister Lyons died of a heart attack. He was the first Australian PM to die in office. And his death led to Robert Menzies becoming PM. Um, and Holt quickly rose up the ranks under the mentorship of Menzies. Is that like something you'd be proud of? Like the first to die in office? Would be if you're alive, it's nice to, maybe. Nice to be a first, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's true. Good for lions. Dave's tossing it up. Well, I mean, um, what have I ever done that was the first? You've never died in office, I have know. you? Certainly not been the first to die you're, in office. You're a real piece of work. He's Dave. already beaten me too. Is that what you're telling? Because that was my life aspiration, and now I've just found out that someone did it in 1939. Yeah, you were beaten by quite a margin. This is... <laughs> what a this, way to find out. This is a real kick in the teeth. Hey... It's okay, little maybe, bit. Maybe I can be the first one to not die in office. Ah, uh, no, that's kind of been that's done That's been too, done yeah. as well, yeah. B- before 1939? Yeah, even I before think, then. I think maybe you'll need to die, but then, like, be re... Somehow be the first to be Resurrect. elected when you're dead. Oh, oh right, yeah. the first ghost prime minister. Ghost Ooh, prime minister, I think. Sitcom. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's the friendly ghost. <laughs> ghost PM. Oh, I love it. Guys, I love it. We won't. We Let's write it. <laughs> we did it, that sketch show a couple of years ago. Yeah. You featured in Jess. Probably you too, Dave. I can't remember. I don't think I did. But we mm. when we filmed in Canberra a few different ideas and one that never got up. You know how there used to, there was an old Parliament House and a new Parliament House. Yeah. We filmed this thing that was going to be like an ad for this new sitcom called New Adventures of Old Parliament House. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny as an idea. <laughs> How did that not get off the ground? I don't, don't know. I don't know. Oh, gosh. Because that could have, it could have been a big crossover between that and Ghost PM. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, this. these could be spin-offs. It could be the Frasier. Oh. Who's, who's cr- playing cheers. the Ghost PM? You don't. That's the beauty of you don't have to pay an actor. It's just a... It's just an empty screen. Yeah. Yeah. Door opens. Yeah, And like things like floating on like fishing wire. Oh, good stuff. It's low budget. Yeah, as I would have expected. (laughs) Anyhow, with the Second World War breaking in 1939, Holt joined up to the war effort as a gunner. He didn't even need to resign from Parliament, which I found interesting. That is amazing. That's cool. But uh, uh, three cabinet ministers were killed in a plane crash um, 
not long after and, and Menzies called Holt back to Canberra where he was soon promoted to the cabinet, which is like the higher level inner ministry. Where they keep the good cutlery. That's where they keep the good cutlery. And, the, and, the and Harold China. Holt. And mum's good teacups. And he's still pretty young. In 1941, there was... The year was 1941. Oh, I should have left that for you. Do you want me to do it again? (laughs) No, never again. It's a well-oiled machine, this pod, 107 (laughs) episodes in. In 1941, there was some inner turmoil in the UAP and Menzies was forced to resign as Prime Minister by his own party. Inner turmoil in the UAP in 1941, the good boys. Uh, We lost (laughs) a lot of good boys. Uh, Here's Carol with a baking dish. (laughs) Baking? Wow. What if she plays it like an instrument? I want to hear more from Carol. (laughs) No, Matt, she bakes in it. She bakes in the dish. She's inside the dish. (laughs) It's quite large. (laughs) Help, I'm trapped in a dish, Carol. Get back in there. Keep baking. Keep baking. (laughs) We need the Anzac biscuits for the war front. For the boys. So, but Menzies is out. So, Menzies is out, and Holt was one of the many prominent UAP ministers to withdraw their support for Menzies, which must Even have hurt Menzies. Yeah. Top dog. That's like, to go back to Star Wars, Anakin going against Obi-Wan. Yeah, it is a lot like that. But apparently, Menzies didn't hold it against him. He still saw him as his protege. He used to call him, apparently, he used to call him Young Harold. So, he didn't, hal- he didn't halt it against him. Pause. No. High five. And I thank you. Another another word for pause is halt, maybe. It's oh, not quite. Fuck, he's good. And halt, very good. Very good. Look, Maddie. I've been spending a lot of time with halt lately. You get a high five. No, too. I don't. Come here. It's, it, it's being edited out. No, I want one. So he called him Little Harold. Uh, young Harold. Young. <laughs> little Harold. <laughs> little Harold, come here. He's That's like, another sitcom. What right. day is it today, Little Harold? <laughs> Look, I'm in the fucking ministry now. I was yeah. wondering mm-hmm. if you could stop calling me that in front of everyone else. Shut up, Little Harold. <laughs> That's it, I'm going to stab you. <laughs> wow. Politically. Nice. In the back. Uh, the UAP became a bit of a shambles and was ousted from government by a no-confidence vote. This led to Labor Party leader John Curtin being able to form a new government and become the 14th Prime Minister of Australia. Curtin. Cur- <laughs> That's something you put on your bloody windows, not putting your bloody Prime Minister's throne. But, all right, new, new I don't sitcom get politics. idea. New sitcom idea. The Prime Minister, but it's actually just a curtain. Oh. Huh? We've no got so many good... Fuck you, two in a think tank. We've got all the sketch oh, ideas. Yeah. Oh, this isn't a sketch. This is like a, this is a dynasty. The Crown's doing 10 series. I reckon this could do 20. Easily. We'll be rich. Every season is a different type of blind. Venetian. It's getting a bit sunny outside. Draw the Prime Minister. <laughs> Led to a lot of confusion. People kept doing caricatures. Do not leave me hanging. <laughs> Uh, Curtin represented the seat of Fremantle and is still the only ever PM of Australia to represent a seat outside the eastern states. Oh, I so didn't no know that. South Australian, no Western Australian apart from him. Uh, yeah, because they don't do anything. But Jess is trying to uh, excommunicate us from every city that's not <laughs> on the eastern. I will world. also be at Perth Fringe World in January. Love you, Perth and Western Australia in general. Curtin is revered by many as one of Australia's great prime ministers. This is something we never talk about. You know how they've got like uh, Mount Rushmore in America and, you know, like or like Churchill and all the greats of, of England. Yeah. But you know, they never talk about the great Australian prime ministers. But apparently um, Menzies is another one who's seen that way. But also, yeah, John Curtin's seen as one of the greats. What about Whitlam? Uh, on this thing I read, Whitlam was a level below. Right. He was, I mean... I like Whitlam. It was messy. He did some great things and he 
mucked up some stuff. I don't also, his name was Goff. Goff's great. That's cool. Goff comes up a little bit later. That's why Jess gets votes for Goff. Goff. So this must have been an incredibly crazy time because we're in the World the War the... and the Prime Minister's just got no confidence by his yes. own party. The party gets voted out, then a new unelected party forms government. That's right. So it's there's a lot of... I mean... It's crazy. It's crazy because there's a lot going on anyway and that's mm. probably leads to a lot of this instability. And what decade is this? The 1940s. <laughs> um but yeah, so he's revered so much that there's even a pub named after him, not too far from here, in Carlton. Oh yeah, the Curtain. Yeah, the Curtain Hotel. I've been there many times at very late or early morning. And there's also John Curtin University yeah. in WA. Well, yeah, sure. There's the John Curtin U- but University. But there's also a pub in Carlton. Yeah. And I also uh, drape my bedroom in curtains. Do you have curtains? John curtains? Yeah. I just have a blind. Actually, no, I do have a pull-down <laughs> blind. But I refer to it as the curtain. Do I you? have Venetian John curtains. Out of respect. You have no, Venetian John sense. curtains? That doesn't make sense. His time in office didn't last long, though. After leading Labor to their strongest ever election victory in 1943, Curtin also died in office on the 5th of July, 1945. But he was not the first to do it. World War II in sight. That's right. Just an, another one in a... Relatively short queue, to be honest. The year is 1945. The war's nearly over, and John Curtin is dead. <laughs> I love that they more pre- after the break, predicting that the war is nearly over. Yeah, they knew. They had a sense. I think they they mustn't. They would have known, Dave. You'd know. Do the, you know? The war is wrapping up slowly. Yeah. After Curtin's passing, Frank Ford became the prime minister. He still holds the record for shortest time in office, being oh. the PM for all. Can we guess? Yeah, but it, it's a, a short amount of time, but it's not a... I don't think it's an excitingly short amount oh. of time. Nine months. Oh, it's more exciting than that. Six months. Seven days. All right, maybe it was exciting. That's so exciting! What, what did you think was exciting? Eight minutes. I was thinking minutes or something. Seven days is so good. And then when you said it wasn't exciting, that's why we went high. But I would have said like a week. Would you say that he became Prime Minister on Monday, <laughs> took the job for a drink on Tuesday... Kept, was in office on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, Saturday, before chilling on Sunday. Yes. What do you say? And resigning on Monday. Seven days. Craig David, respect. That is one of my favourite things you've ever done on this podcast. <laughs> I'm not big. That was amazing. And he's done a Thank lot of you. great stuff. Thank a you. lot of great he's stuff. He's done a lot of good stuff. A lot of Quite character work. Yes, what an oeuvre. Sorry, I Pastiche. vomited while I was trying to say that word. Um, Seven days, that is ridiculous. Yes, but it was, he was, it was basically, because someone died. Yeah, sure. So it's so like he's a caretaker. Probably, care, basically a caretaker. He's and just keeping the seat warm. And, yeah, but I, I love that as well. There's a few of those um, when uh, the conservative, because the conservative governments have mainly been coalitions and the way they're set up is the minor party in the coalition um, is their leader's the deputy. So uh, currently it's the Liberal Party, Malcolm Turnbull's the Prime Minister, the National Party, their leader is the Deputy Prime Minister. So if Malcolm Turnbull well, died... He, he was the Deputy Prime Minister until having to leave Barnaby Joyce. This oh, is. Barnaby Joyce, that's right. Yeah, so that's you know, that makes my um, nice and easy explanation a little more complicated. Yeah, yes, but anyway, so I do understand. So, so they, then they the National over. Party leader would be the Prime Minister until basically the Liberal Party sorts themselves out. Yeah, great. Right. So until the bigger party's like, hey, all right, we'll take it from here, little man. If you're listening at home and none of this makes sense, I'm here and it doesn't make sense. So don't worry about it. Just go with it. Look, JC. Uh, <laughs> Look, JC. Um, what you need to understand is that Australia has a constitutional monarchy. And uh, we are a I'm bored. 
I don't get it. Okay, well. Mm. Show me in picture form. Uh, anyhow, he's a, Ford... He's a, he's a photo of Craig David. He's really muscly now for some reason. Now I get politics. Yeah. He was the gym. Big gym. <laughs> uh, he was followed, Ford that is, was followed by another famous Labor uh, PM, Ben Chifley. Might be familiar with his name, Chifley. He's had some stuff named after him. Anyway, so since World War Two broke six years earlier, we've had Earl Page, Robert Menzies, Arthur Fadden, John Curtin, Frank Ford and Ben Chifley all spend time as the Prime Minister of Australia. Hmm. Six years, six PM. So the Kirribilli House, which is the Prime Minister's, one of, one of their residences, has been decorated many times. And and this has been in like wartime rationing. Wartime, yeah. And the staff are still trying to figure out the name, yeah. like who's who? 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 They're oh, just I calling, keep... at this time, they're calling everyone PM, just yeah. in case. Yeah, smart. Uh, in the meantime, Robert Menzies was working to form a new conservative political party from the ashes of the UAP. And on the 31st of August 1945, Menzies officially announced the formation of the Liberal Party of Australia. That's right. Who are the top dogs now? Uh, it's fair to say, politically, the new party was a resounding success. Uh, despite losing the following election in 1946 to Chifley's Labor Party, the Menzies led Liberal Party, won the 1949 election, then the 1951, 54, 55, 58, 61 and 63 elections consecutively. Um, I've kind of swept through the longest ever Prime Ministership in a sentence there. Uh, along with his first stint, Menzies was Prime Minister for 18 years. Wow. Which is a bloody good effort. That's by far the record. Second I'd... place being Johnny Howard. I was going to say, how long was John Howard? I think he was 12. Because he was, 13, I, I sort of felt like growing up, he was the only prime minister I knew. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, because he came in in uh, when did he come in? Ninety six, ninety five, ninety six. Yeah, so we were little kids. And um, but isn't it weird to think that Menzies was kicked out the first time? Yeah, yeah. No confidence, and then come, comes back and with his own party years. that he's yeah. made up. Yeah. And well, guess what? I've handpicked these people. It's crazy. And we've got Michael Jordan starting centre. <laughs> Oh. And that's me. And he was a point guard. Yeah. But we're right. mixing stuff up. This is the new generation. Michael Jordan's like, no, seriously. Was he a point guard? Shooting guard. Anyway, whatever. Is that even a thing? Shooting guard a thing? Well, I'm going to move on. A little known fact about Michael Jordan is that he often wore a little pair of shorts underneath his a other little shorts. little pair. Tiny shorts. Cut off the circulation. But anyway, <laughs> that's how good he was. We couldn't have kids. Uh, through, through that time, <laughs> through the time of Menzies... Um, Prime Ministership uh, Holt continued to climb the ladder, becoming treasurer in 1958, uh, despite having little interest in economics. So he's jumped to the Liberals. Uh, he, yeah, he the new, basically he's one of the founders. Basically, the Liberal Party was made up of nearly all UAP, ex UAP. Right, gotcha. Okay, cool. And even though he stabbed Menzies in the back, he's still getting there. He's sort of like he was one of many, but Menzies um, didn't hold it against him. It's lovely. Menzies. I think he, he just. He got politics or whatever, I don't know. Or if he held it against him, he would have to hold it against all prominent conservative politicians, which would have been difficult. That sounds like something that Kevin Rudd would do. <laughs> Classic Rudd. Uh, in 1960, Holt introduced a package of reforms with the aim of slowing inflation. The measures became known as the Holt Jolt and proved to be a mistake putting the country in a recession. Oh, uh, dear, it sounded so good. Yeah, I was like, Holt Jolt, I love it. I'm in. That's why I like Kevin 07. This hurt Holt. <laughs> just like slogans. I fucking love a Did good slogan. Rhyming Donald, slogans. Donald Trump, drain the swamp. You were out there chanting. No, chanting. didn't like that. Don't like drain the swamp. No, but I do love, just do it. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. That's a real solid one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so the recession obviously hurt. Finger licking good. Yeah, of course that is that. John Howard's <laughs> how he came to be the prime minister. He just kept licking his fingers. His opponents in the debates would be like, "But how? What about your policies?" And he'd be like, mm, "What's this? Finger licking good." Oh, Rudd famously licked his finger after putting it in his ear. Remember, there was footage of him in Question Time. Oh yuck! No, he, oh. he was like, yeah, he was. It was weird. He no. looked at it and he ate no. the earwax of it. It made international no. news. Yeah. Your man, Kevin 07. I never said that. Roll back the tape. I've never said I liked him. <laughs> Please don't roll back the tape. Um, so this hurt Holt's popularity, the Holt jump, and the recession, obviously. The Holt jump. It sounds like a dance. So do the Holt jump. All the kids were doing the Holt jump. Well, mainly that was the problem. Like, whilst everyone out of the country was trying to save their economy, he was just dancing. So this is a fixed jet. <laughs> yeah, come on, everybody! All the kids are doing it. Is no, inflation under control? <laughs> <laughs> There's an inflation in my pants. Ooh, <laughs> I'm being a character. Oh, that's all right. My then. pants are deflated. <laughs> You've got concave pants. Strictly, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So, so it goes in. <laughs> So this drop in popularity meant that they only just scraped through in the 1961 election, the Liberal Party, that is, the coalition. Uh, They did get through, though, and Holt got through with the help of Menzies' public support. So Menzies was out there saying these decisions were full party decisions. You know, he didn't leave him hanging out to dry like he could have. He got by with a little help from his friends. From the longest-serving Australian Prime Minister, Sir Robert Menzies. His friend. Look, we could have called it... (laughs) We could have called it the Menzi Frenzy, but we thought Holt Jolt sounded better, so that's why it's on That's him. the right only guys? reason right it's guys? on him. Right. The, the big... Uh, Menzi Frenzy. Would have been way better, wouldn't it? That's, that's second pretty. best thing you've ever done. Wow, what a hot episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. I went. My I did the majority of my university studies in the Menzies building, which is maybe the ugliest building I was going to say, isn't there a building... Yeah, and it's at Monash. Monash. I couldn't remember what uni. I was like, was it at my uni? No. Big, ugly, beige, brown. Yeah, the Menzies building. There's uh, uh, Menzies Theatre at my uni, Latrobe Uni, is where I did a lot of lot of plays, and it was uh, very also 1970s built and a pretty shitty theatre. Yeah, well, we but had... great times. I'm sure we had something <laughs> named after him too at my uni. I don't remember it, but I'm sure it was there. Yeah, the Menzies John. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was the... Oh, no, Men's. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for the Menzies Johns. Are you saying Men's? I'm not sure anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Holt later described these years as the most difficult of his life. He's uh, obviously never tried to open a can of pickles. <laughs> which took years. several years. <laughs> a can as well. I panicked. I did a Matt Stewart. I started a sentence. I didn't know where it was going to go. That's, that's where I, I always get the good stuff. I agree. Like, dash. <laughs> didn't say it like that. As treasurer, Holt was also involved in major moments such as the establishing of the Reserve Bank of Australia and the introduction of decimal currency. Oh, on the 14th of February, 1966. Wow, there you go. That was the introduction. Um, This this I found a bit... I went off on a little tangent here. Initially, Holt announced that the new Australian currency would be called the Royal. Do you know that? So he publicly announced it, and that's what he said it's going to be, the Australian Royal. Like when someone accidentally crowns the wrong uh, winner of Miss Universe on, on live TV. <laughs> that's what happened to him. All right, guys, we're going to call the money the Royal. I'm sorry, I've just been told. I'm sorry, there's been a mistake. I've been fed the wrong information. Royal's already been crowned. Yeah. Oh, dear. I'm going to have to take that back. Oh, brutal. It's the dollar. 
but it was it was changed because it was just super unpopular. There was massive backlash. Fifty royals. Yeah, I don't like it. That's uh, bad. Uh, to, it was there was so much uh, backlash to the extent that Holt's wife Zara received death threats for both her and because and of Holt. the name of currency. Yeah. Oh, they fuck said you're you. you're going to be left a widow. Pick it, pick your battles, people. Ama- quite amazing to me as well. No, I back that because I could not stand it if they were called royals. No, but if that's all you knew, you wouldn't even think about it. Also, now I'm just making sure that I did get the date right. I'm pretty sure I did. One of my it was teachers, definitely 1966. One of my teachers in um. So what was that song from? Sorry, I didn't quite hear what you said. Uh, it was supposed to be to the theme of uh, Clip Go the Shears Boys. A great tune. And it was uh, like a jingle that was used when decimal currency was coming in to remind people of when it, like, when it would be officially started. Um, and so they'd go, it's the, the 14th of February, 1966. One of my teachers in year 10 used to sing that at us and we'd be like, we get it. But hey, here I am. Exactly. 12 years later and it's, it's still I still remember. Um. According to documents released in 1993, he told, Holt told his fellow cabinet ministers that the royal had been a terrible mistake. They were uh, then considering calling it the Austral, Austral, uh, but Holt argued against it, saying that the Australian accent could make 14 Australs sound like 40 nostrils. <laughs> Which is not a bad point. I love it. Just is showing me that she has, in fact, got the date right. It was the 14th of February, 1966. So none of us will forget when uh, decimal currency comes in this February, 1966. Holt pushed for it to be named the dollar uh, after that. And obviously the rest, as they say, is history. The idea uh, that it was nearly called the Royal got me interested, though. And I, I looked up a few other contenders. But there were apparently were hundreds and hundreds. So it was yeah. like public. the public were allowed to suggest. And have you got any... I feel like David have an idea. I got a few that were dollary do's. suggested. Dollary do's. Floggins. Floggins is good. Ridgimidige. There's Woolamaloo's before Woolamaloo was a place. Wow. Chucky Bicky. <laughs> that would have been. Gotta be nine hundred Chucky Bickies, please. Cobbers. Here, here are some that I found: the quid, the kanga, the kanga. Cha- yeah, kanga's pretty good. Oh, twenty I kangas. It to be called kanga. <laughs> the champ. <gasps> no! 50 champs. Oh my god, I love it! The Rue? Nah, I don't like that as much. Oh. I like Kanga better. I read somewhere the Decimate, but that couldn't have been. That decimate. Can't... Yeah, Decimate. Like Decimal, but Decimate is bad. That can't, that's someone's. Yeah, Decimate. I didn't believe it. 50 Rues is alright. The right. Oz, the Koala, no. the Boomer, the no. Emu, the Digger, and the Zack. Yuck, hate all of them. 50 Diggers. 50 Zacks? Zacks. Zach or, like, I Zach like could work. 50 roos, but 50 kangas is fun. Kangas is probably the best, I agree with that. I like quid. Quid's good. People sort of talk quid anyway, but they've spelt quid with a, with a K-W. Yeah, to make it more Australian more or more Aussie. Kardashian. They all start with K. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 
This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. If it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, not in a way that's like, oh my God, it's expanding like yeah, yeah. More physically. Like it's growing more customers, yes. more interest. Not like it's going to explode. Yeah, not like it's a building that's like blowing up and yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. And I don't think they mean for marriage. You can sell your products on an online store, whether you sell physical or digital products or you offer services like massage or oh. nails oh my gosh. or uh, consulting. Should we after this get mani-pedis? <laughs> Babe, I've already booked us in. <laughs> um, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. You know, what about blogging tools, you yeah. might be asking? I like to blog. I love to blog. I like to blog. I like to vlog. Yes. Well, Squarespace has powerful blogging tools to share stories, photos, videos, and updates. You can categorize, you can share, and schedule to make your content work for you. Scheduling is the best. Oh, yeah. It looks like Jess has just uploaded something, What it? but it's like 3 a.m. in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the exact time I wanted to do it in New York City, baby. Exactly. Capture that New York market. Yeah. You mentioned vlogging as well. If you're into vlogging, you can organise your video library, showcase your content on beautiful video pages, sell access to your videos with member areas. The possibilities are endless. Now head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. In January 1966, Menzies announced his retirement and Holt was elected unopposed as his successor. So he's he's made it all the way to the top. This meant that he was able to ascend to the top office without stepping over any dead bodies. Ascending? Like like some sort of saint? Like a saint, yeah. Wow. The ascension. He ascended. No dead bodies. Whoa. Which is relatively uncommon in Australian politics. Certainly in our lifetime, every prime minister has had to... Knife a, a party mate. Someone has to ungracefully step aside rather yeah. than retiring on top. Which is, yeah, I guess there's not that. Because people who are attracted to politics are, you know, they. Pa- power scum. hungry pa- egomaniacs. Yeah. Some people. Uh, Holt taking over from Menzies was like the son taking over the family business after a long apprenticeship, and Menzies declared that the country was in good hands. Oh. And on the 26th of January 1966. Australia Day. Holt was sworn in as Australia's 17th Prime Minister. It was a big shift in styles. The old school presenting Menzies was out and the young hip Holt was in. Holt was 58 years old. <laughs> and he'd been in politics for over 30 years. But he's hip. He's a hip, cool cat. And he's new. He's, he's still, fresh. He's doing the Holt jolt. He's wearing cool sunnies. <laughs> he's got a funky tie. At, at that <laughs> at that time, he was actually... Uh, the lo- It took him the longest amount of time as a sitting parliamentarian to become Prime Minister over 30 years. Yeah, but he wore fun flares. Right. That, that was broken uh, by the following Prime Minister, but, uh, yeah, which is a pretty amazing thing. Like, normally if you become Prime Minister, you do it in less than 30 years. But <laughs> he was a treasurer to a, the mo- the longest-serving um, Prime Minister of all yeah, time, right. so it sort of makes sense. In So he was sort of presenting more contemporarily if that's a word, Uh, in one of the most famous photos of him, which will probably be the cover photo for this episode, he was wearing like a skin-tight swimming costume and he was surrounded by three bikini-clad women. Uh, The women were his three daughters-in-law. But that's sort of like... It kind of looks like he was in a Bond film or something. Wow. With his daughters-in-law. Well, I mean, it was just a family photo. I don't know what the... Would you refer to your family members as bikini-clad? 
Well, I'm I'm referring to them as that. I don't think he referred to them as bikini clad. He's uh, forgotten their names. <laughs> Guys, if we just get uh, the photographers over here to take a photo of me and my bikini clad daughter-in-laws. That'd be great. Politics, hey? So he, he's kind of presented differently. Another difference was that uh, while Menzies was very focused on Great Britain and, and a big monarchy lover, and he was the one pushing for the royals to be the... Monarchy. ...the name of the currency, Holt started shifting Australia's focus more towards the United States, and this was in part due to his close friendship with the current US president of the time, Lyndon B. Johnson, a.k.a. LBJ. I've heard of him. Yeah. I vaguely heard of him, and I think it was maybe because of his relationship with Holt, I guess. One of the defining issues of Holt's prime ministership was the Vietnam War. It was increasingly unpopular uh, with the Australian people, yet Holt's government significantly increased Australia's military involvement. Um, Some put this down to Holt's friendship with the US President Johnson. Oh, that's terrible. That was not a good time. No. Uh, When Holt visited Washington in June 1966. He gave a speech that included his most infamous line. Um, He went off script slightly when referring to Australia's military support for America in the Vietnam War. He said that we will be all the way with LBJ, which Uh, was a line out of um, one of uh, LBJ's... That's like a famous campaign slogan. Yeah, that's right. So it sounded a bit um, sycophantic and was seen as being a bit embarrassing back home in Australia. Good Also a bit foolish... And maybe even dangerous, saying that, you know, we'll do... It sort of sounds like he's saying, we'll do whatever. We'll do yeah, whatever like, you want. We're all the way. It's like saying to Obama, yes, we can give you uh, uncapped military support. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that hurt him a bit back Trump, home. Get him out. <laughs> Drain the swamp, in brackets, we'll do it. We'll do it for you. Well, can we do it? Yeah. Deputy dog. Um he wasn't long Prime Minister before he had to lead the party t- into a federal election after 10 months in the job, but this would have all been part of the plan with Menzies and the handover, giving him enough time in office to uh, lead a, a strong campaign, I suppose. Um, so after 10 months in the job, Holt led the Liberal Party to a huge victory. They romped it in. Um, and, it was, you know, I was talking about the coalition before. The Liberal Party were only a couple of seats short of being able to lead in their own right without even needing um, the minor country party. Uh, Holt doesn't get a lot of kudos for this bit, uh, for this result though, as the Labor opposition were going through a tough time and were a party divided um, between their old man and old school leader Arthur Col- Colwell, who was uh, the opposition leader at the time, and his deputy Goff Whitlam. Goff Whitlam. Uh, with Colwell and Whitlam publicly contradicting each other on major election issues during the campaign. How's this about Colwell? I'd never heard of Colwell. Um, Neither have I. He was, like, he was quite an old man at this stage, I think, in I his 70s. I mean, he'd never made it to be PM as opposition yeah. leader for so long. Um, but he was one of Australia's very few victims of an attempted political assassination. What? On June the 21st, 1966, after addressing an anti-conscription rally, a 19-year-old student named Peter Cocken, Cochin, Cochin, fired a sawn... Let's go with Cochin. Cochin. Cochin fired a sawn-off rifle at Carwell at point-blank range through his closed car window. Luckily, the window deflected the bullet and he only suffered minor cuts from the broken glass. So whose window was closed? (laughs) The politician or was the guy shooting behind the window? (laughs) Because... That's a pretty fucking dumb thing to do. <laughs> was poli- Just wind it, pal. No, it was, it was definitely Colwell's. Colwell's. Oh, well, you could have knocked on it. Let me in. 
Just rolled out his window. Wayne's World thing. Stay <laughs> Pumpa, whatever they said. Which I know, a joke I never got, but I always <laughs> laughed at. Grey Poupon. Grey Poupon. <laughs> Excuse yeah. me, baking powder. I never got it either. But I laughed. Didn't it's, stop me laughing. I think it's, it's he a. He said it with such a cheeky grin on his face. I think it's a famous American ad. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> Even funnier now. Guys? Oh, maybe less. Maybe less funny. One of the few ads that hasn't stuck with Matt from childhood. Apparently. <laughs> Because I never saw it. Apparently, Koken, uh, as I think we're calling him, was sent. Was Koken, sorry, was sent to a psychiatric hospital, where he remained for ten years. Um, but there, Colwell apparently regularly visited him, and this encouraged his eventual rehabilitation. Apparently, he's like the Pope. <laughs> so that's that's me talking about. <laughs> so it's ten years link. So that fact made me think. Oh, what a this guy's kind of good. Uh-oh. Then, oh no. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll tell you, soon you'll see why I don't like him as much. Aww. Colwell retired following the election, meaning that Whitlam stepped up as leader of the Labour Party and therefore as opposition leader. And Whitlam made things a lot more difficult for Holt as he was a much more effective opponent than Colwell, the mm. old, old, old school guy. Did you guys know that the yes. white Australia policy still existed in 1966? I didn't realise that. Yeah. So Australia had this policy that basically favoured white immigration over other Im- immigration. And Colwell was a big fan of it. One of the things that he and Whitlam strongly disagreed on was uh, Colwell's like white Australia policy all the way sort of thing. And uh, Whitlam, not as keen on it. Whitlam obviously is like maybe the, would probably be the most progressive Australian Prime Minister ever maybe. I say that from the standpoint of a guy who did Year 12 politics. Thank you. Did you say Year 12 politics? Year 12. Wow. Yeah. But keep in mind, Matt's Year 12 was before Whitlam anyway. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So Ma- they called true. it matric back then. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're the best Prime Minister ever was obviously Ed- Edmund Barton, the first yes, one. Yes, the only one. That's all you knew. It was very easy back then. So if you ask Matt how many Prime Ministers there's been, of course, there's only one. Only one. There can be what only a, is one. Is this a trick question? <laughs> uh, Holt started the process of breaking down the white Australia policy, though. So Holt was also keen to um, bring Australia into the bloody modern day. Uh, he ended the distinction between Asian and European migrants and also permitted skilled Asians to settle with their families. This is in 1966. Wow. That blew my mind. Yeah. Apparently, he also started the Australian Council for the Arts, which opened up federal support for Australian artists, which is another cool-sounding thing that he's done. Uh, Holt enjoyed a very positive first year in office, 1966. Things went great. I mean, uh, there were a few speed bumps. That LBJ stuff um, hurt his popularity a little bit. But things generally were going pretty well, um, and it all culminated in the big election victory. According to his biography on the Australian Dictionary of Biography website, Jess, you'll love this quote, I think. The Australian Dictionary of Biography. Yeah, what a wild name. Love it. I hate it. it. (laughs) But I think you'll like where their head's at. This is a quote. Whereas 1966 was a good year. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Everything seemed to go wrong in 1967. Not a good year. Not a good year. Uh, In 67, his brother died, uh, which he described as a terrible blow. And he was also experiencing increasing political troubles and flagging popularity, much of which was self-inflicted, but also due to Cough Whitlam's increasing popularity. Mm. So Holt was going through a tough period. 
we're getting up to things that maybe are more famous about Holt. Holt was going through a tough period, but apparently he was in good spirits when he left Canberra on Friday the 15th of December for a weekend getaway at his family's holiday house in Portsea on the Mornington Peninsula. The idea was to come back to work refreshed and ready to tackle the new political year with new policy platforms and a shuffle of the ministry. uh, His wife stayed home, but he played tennis and chilled out with friends on Saturday the 16th of December, the following day. On Sunday the 17th of December, Holt went down to Cheviot Beach, not far from Portsea, with four others. And they included Marjorie Gillespie and her daughter, Vina. Um, it was a warm and windy day as they strolled along the beach. Holt was keen to get in for a swim, so he changed into some bathers. And um, th- there was some concern that the surf was a bit rougher than usual that day. But Holt famously replied, I oh, know this beach like the back of my hand, as he strode into the water and began swimming towards the horizon. <laughs> oh, dear. The following is taken from an article on smithsonian.com. The article is called The Prime Minister Who Disappeared. That might be a spoiler there. (laughs) Martin Simpson, who was Viner's boyfriend, followed, but stopped when he was knee-deep in the surf. There was a fairly strong undercurrent, he said, so I just splashed around without going in too far. The third man in the group, Alan Stewart, told the others, if Mr Holt can take it, I'd better go in too. Stewart. Interesting, Matt. Any relation? Yeah, it was my son. (laughs) (laughs) But he stopped quickly when he felt a tremendous undertow swirling around his legs. He watched Holt swim out into what he considered dangerous turbulence. Marjorie Gillespie kept her eyes on Holt as he swam farther and farther out until the water swelled around him and he disappeared. I said farther, but it it said further. (laughs) Say. What was his father doing? <laughs> he swam farther. <laughs> father? Rescue teams were called and very quickly the Australian Army, Navy, Marine Board of Victoria and the Department of Air were playing a role in the largest search and rescue operation in Australia's history. They don't fuck around when it's the Prime Minister, do they? Which is it's wild though, right, that he could even just go out. The Prime Minister just went out for a swim in rough waters by himself. I don't think that would be allowed anymore. Probably well, in part why. because of <laughs> Harold. Well, our current Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, goes like often kayaking on Sydney Harbour. Does that... he? Yeah. What if, you, what if you're on a ferry and you just look over at the kayak and you're like, morning, Prime Minister? It would be, to me, it would be a lot like seeing Meso driving a tram. I've seen it. Wow. Yeah, he drove past One my, time. He drove past my house. He drives past my house. One time, I was... Uh, on a street, and my car stopped as the tram stopped, and Meso was the driver of the tram. Like our, I, my car was going the opposite way, but directly next to the tram, and we just opened our windows and said hi. Such a, what and a I moment. didn't get a photo because I was like, nobody would believe me what if I just tell the story. Moment. I was putting the bin out once, and he drove past in oh. a tram. In a tram, and it's the, the prime time. minister. Yeah, also loves Malcolm Turnbull. Loves uh, getting on a tram for a photo <laughs> opportunity. He literally, he always often starts press conferences by saying, "Oh, you know, I love." Public transport. <laughs> this is a strange man. <laughs> Should say Meso is a. Uh, he's often he's often our fill-in host here, and, and uh, yes, from the Weekly Planet, but more obviously as the world's most famous tram driver. But the prime minister talking. has disappeared. It's crazy. So it was the largest ever search and rescue operation, mm-hmm. um, but it was all for nothing. The search was scaled down after five days and officially ended on the 5th of January 1968. Gillespie was the last person anyone saw Australia's 17th Prime Minister alive or dead as a body was never found. 
It's just Harold so Holt. bizarre. Mm. Harold Holt was 58 when he disappeared. A memorial service was attended by 2,000 guests at St. Paul's Cathedral in Melbourne. Guests included American President LBJ, the British PM, Harold Wilson, and Prince Charles. You, you really? bloody mon- monarchy lovers would be appreciating that. Prince Charles came out. I do. I think, that well, is I think classic. it's nice that any of them came. Look, that is, that is, that's what I hate about the monarchy is, is that Australians are like, wow. One of that's them came out. That's one monarchy. of the things. It's like, that's why so do we dumb. give a shit? What a dumb thing to hate about. Well, them. I don't think it's worth a wow. All right. <laughs> he came to the leader of Australia's funeral. Wow. LBJ didn't get a wow. He did not get a wow. I, who, why are you turned on me now? <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he loves to play a role. He loves the stacks on. No, I forgot that I was also playing the character of a monarchist on this show. <laughs> He does love a stacks on, doesn't he? It does, but he loves it. Yeah, Matt, you're an idiot. The Royals are great. I'm with Jess on this one. Stacks on. Wow. Wow. Uh, the Archbishop presiding over the ceremony. The so- Archbishop came. Wow. <laughs> His name was Philip Strong. <gasps> Philip Strong. Wow. And he is said to have spoken of fidelity as the mark of the man's life and work, which is interesting as it was later found out that Holt was having an extramarital affair with Marjorie Gillespie, Aww. the last person to ever see him alive. Oh, no. I never see that dick alive. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, we've all that. done a bad jick, jick joke now. Dick joke. Um, mine was pretty good. Uh, but Gillespie wasn't the only one. Talking of Gillespie years later, according to Holt's wife, she was one of the queue formed on the right. It went on all the time, oh. saying that he had lovers in Melbourne, Sydney, Canberra, Hong Kong, and Portsea. Oh, Holt, you dog. Wow. Yeah. And Portsea. Do you know about that? I did not he know. Has a lover all in I knew Portsea. about was that he drowned. Really? Yeah, that's all I know about him. And that, I don't know if you'll mention it, that there's a pool in Melbourne named after him. No, I won't mention that. I'll leave that uh, to all the comedians, the touring comedians who come to Melbourne. Yeah. I said what it, do you like, Melbourne? I said it to my mum when I was 13 because we had our school swimming carnival at the Harold Holt Pool because it's not far from where That will be interesting to some listeners who don't know that. Yeah, there's right. a there's a, a local pool. Where is it? It's in it's in the base. I think it's in the southeast. Yeah, it's like quite near where I grew up. Somewhere so yeah, around Caulfield There's there a pool named after the Prime Minister that disappeared at sea and touring comedians and it's also like a, a frequent touchstone for like a hack joke to yeah. make about... Yeah. About uh, Sort of seen as being, yeah, the number one hack joke of Australia. But I made it to my mum when I was a teenager, like a oh, yeah. kid. And I'm like, sure. I'd, when you first hear it, it is an amazing funny It's pretty funny. funny. It's my, outrageous. Even my mum just went, like, she looked at me and she said, he was a really passionate swimmer, Jess. <laughs> and I was like, mum, I get it. But Bit of compassion, appreciate Too soon, that, Jess. Your, that your 12-year-old has just made quite a funny observation. Your mum's like, hack. <laughs> exactly. My mum, she heckled me. And ever since then, I've just, I have striven to write a joke that my mother would appreciate. Striven's great if that's yeah. a real word. Keep striven. Is that a word? Keep striven. You keep at I it. I like it. Either just, way, I'm, I'm not saying it's not. Just keep striven. I like it either way. Um, so that sort of, that ends his life. It's crazy because I just wanted to say, imagine the media, I would love to see at the time, the Prime Minister has disappeared, the front page of the newspaper... People are probably expecting that they'll find him. Yes. And they never do. They never do. That, what a hectic 
thing. Like, I can't you... imagine that would just... Obviously, that was the biggest news story in Australia, but also huge across yeah. the world. It's a real-life mystery episode. And then after a few days, people accept that he's not... <laughs> like, yeah. that's it. Yeah, they're like, oh, we'll scale this down. Um, but because there was a, a body was never found, uh, under the law at the time, there was no official inquest. They needed to have a body to do an inquest. So there was no state-sanctioned... Wow, that is weird. Um, and this led to many conspiracy theories about what happened to Holt. These include, here's a few, a few of my favourites. Um, Scott Cooper uh, wrote a book that claims Holt was killed accidentally in a botched kidnapping that was related to his plan to increase troops, troop numbers in Vietnam. So accidentally killed him and then... Right, and then they covered it up. Which I love because that would mean that those four people who tell the stories of watching him go out, swim out there and spending the weekend playing tennis with him and stuff. Yeah. They were all in on it as well. Mm. Uh, another theory claims Holt faked his own death so that he could get away and live with one of his mistresses. Okay, in Hong Kong or Port Sea, which is much closer to where he drowned. Uh, there are also uh, many theories, obviously, that he was taken by a UFO. That's my vote. Obviously. Uh, Valentich came along with his upside-down plane. Uh, Brisbane man Gary Simmons. Gary, so I'm already on board this one. Brisbane man Gary Simmons says that Holt was murdered the night before and he knows this as he was tasked with getting rid of the body, which he did by towing it out to sea to a waiting fishing boat. And I think uh, he says that he did so on the orders from the government or something like that. All right, Gary. So he's towed it out to sea. So he's tied a rope around the (laughs) leg and just dragged it on the back of the boat. (laughs) That is a that is weird jet phrasing. Ski. Got a jet ski. <laughs> Got a jet ski. How you doing back there, Harold? Oh How yeah, you you're dead. They put him on skis. <laughs> Weekend of Bernie. Yeah. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Like, if if he was killed the night before, who's that man walking out into the surf? He's just on wires. Yeah. Being pulled out. That's what it was. That was him towing him out. <laughs> I know. He's like like old school puppeteering and saying. I know this surf like the back of my hand. <laughs> and then the people are like, there was something strange about Harold that day. I just can't quite get my finger on what was going on. The fact that he was face down in the surf, <laughs> travelling along at 60 kilometres an hour <laughs> into the horizon. There was just God, something strange yeah. about it. He's bloody fast. Uh, I read that one on this website called mysteriousuniverse.org. And this one also comes directly from there. This is a quote. John Keel, who you might remember from a previous episode, wrote in his 1970 book, Operation Trojan Horse that elementals had foretold of Holt's death in conjunction in conjunction with the Point Pleasant Silver Bridge collapse just a year earlier. Oh my goodness. Kills, Mothman. <laughs> Kills connecting of Holt and the Mothman prophecies has prompted others to speculate that Holt may have been an alien representative on Earth. <laughs> the article goes on to say, whether that reasoning bears fruit or not, I'll leave that up to you. No. Done. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry, America, and I ever, although a lot of listeners who were aghast at how unseriously we took the Mothman. <laughs> what the fuck? I love the Mothman. <laughs> so good. Big Mothman fan. Some people are like, wow, I, I never th- heard people that like you know didn't buy into it before. <laughs> it's like, really? That's yeah. like, Mothman? <laughs> We're the first people to question that? <laughs> what is wrong with your country? I mean, in, in some ways, it was probably in my delivery of the report. If, yeah. if someone else came in, you know, like that guy who talks about animals or something came in and was like... Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin came that in guy, and go, How oh, dare you say that name? Richard Roxburgh. No, what's his name? We did David an episode about David Attenborough. Richard Roxburgh. Uh, but maybe the most famous theory was published in a book 
written uh, by Anthony Gray, a British writer, called The Prime Minister Was a Spy. Oh, my God. The theory was, and this was uh, told to him in a big, chunky manuscript by an (laughs) ex-naval officer of Australia. The theory was that Holt had been a Chinese spy for over 30 years. He was not Chinese. And then he... I mean, chill well, over this theory. Yes, um, there's a 700 page manuscript and you just debunked it with two <laughs> words. Uh, two words into that. He's not a Chinese spy. He's not Chinese. He's but not Chinese. I mean, that's the part of his spy. Like, he is. Oh, he's a spy for China. Yes. Well, you should have been more clear. Okay, it's like saying sushi is a Chinese dish. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's just like that. Uh, you can get it in China, but you wouldn't want to because it wouldn't be as good. He wasn't a Chinese spy. That's some very good sushi in China. He was a spy for China. The theory was uh, that he'd been a Chinese spy for 30 years. How dare you? And then he swam out to be picked up by a submarine and taken back to China. Taken back to China where he was originally from? Yes. Because he's Chinese. Yes. How do you know he wasn't Chinese? You hardly heard of him before today apart from he drowned. So, did, a, you were saying you've seen pictures of him? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't mean to assume you race. Saying, Matt's not quick to judge like you, Jess. I don't think... I'm not quick to judge. Matt just doesn't saying, crush people's dreams. He doesn't tell people who yeah, is and who isn't right. Chinese. Harold Holt could be Chinese if he wanted to be. Thank you. So that's, all I, that's all I wanted you're right, to hear. You're and it's right. the theory that he swam out to the submarine and lived yes. inside the submarine. How well, he was taken him? back to the submarine... He just swam. He's a very strong swimmer. A pretty strong swimmer, like your mum said. How do you get into a submarine (laughs) from the outside? It goes above the water. I understand, but somebody would have seen it. Oh, no. He swam out. And duck-dived. I think it was about, what, 1,400 (laughs) kilometres? And then he just duck-dived. And And, and they picked him up on the other side of Antarctica or something. I don't know how far things are. He swam to China. How far is that? That can't be that far. His, uh, his, his wife, Zara, a little bit of a wag, she laughed off the theory saying that he didn't even like Chinese cooking. Oh, my <laughs> Let God. Let alone Chinese spying. <laughs> <laughs> I assume that's how she finished that sentence. And then she took another drink of her rosé. I don't know. Is that, have you seen the, the Coen Brothers film Hail Caesar? Mm-hmm. There's a scene where they uh, swim out and meet, meet a submarine yes. and hand over... Based on Holt. Documents. Is it based on Holt? I yeah. never really put the connection together. Well, That's I cool. just it definitely did is. Um, in 2005, the Victorian coroner finally opened up an inquiry into Holt's disappearance. The state coroner, Graham Johnston, found that Harold Holt drowned at Cheviot Beach and that his body had been either swept out to sea or taken by sharks. <laughs> taken? Where did they take it? <laughs> to the submarine. <laughs> to China. Shark, lead us to the body. <laughs> Where have you buried him? There was another theory. Give us back, Harold. The coroner interviewed every shark in the area. One of the early theories uh, came from an Indian man, and it was and it, and it became a conversation between the Indian government and the Australian government. And there was a specific spot where they said they'd find the body buried under the sea in the sand. Apparently, that came to nothing either. So you know, the the official story is that he he drowned because it was super tough conditions. Um, according to the Smithsonian article, this is a direct quote, Holt had been given special permission to access the beach with his friends in privacy, and though he was an experienced swimmer, he had also been taking pain medications for a shoulder injury at the time. So both under medication also, he's got a shoulder injury. And just six months earlier, he'd almost drowned at the same spot while snorkelling with friends. 
Oh, gosh. He's got body form. He's also Chinese. <laughs> yeah. So that is the story of Harold Holt. That is cool because uh, as Australians, you grow up... Sorry. Clap, 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 clap. Great, great report. I'm, I will say that. It was really good. Um, as Aussies, you grow up knowing that Harold Holt drowned, but that's about it, to be honest. Yeah, that, that is the so that only was, thing I knew about him. That was a really cool story of his life. And yeah. I just... all that, There was a, a few of those little sidetrack bits that I was just like, oh, I'll put this in. I mean, really, the topic would have been suggested for the drowning, and I, I could potentially have done the whole thing about that. But I, I don't know. I just found all that... Yeah. His no, political good. career fascinating. I just didn't know a lot of those things. Um even like I would have had no, 17th Prime Minister, I'm like, what, what was that in the 20s or the yeah, 90s? I don't, I don't know. Have we had 17 yet? Um, but and yeah, I didn't really. We went through all these ones like um, caretaker Prime Ministers and that sort of stuff. And who did suggest this topic? It was actually suggested by Angus Maxfield via email. The that only is, one to suggest that it. That is a good name. Real solid name. Thank you, Angus. I should say, I don't know if this sort of slightly wraps up something from before, but not really. But following Holt's death, the next three prime ministers were all conservative. John McEwen was sort of like a caretaker. Then John Girton. Then John Gorton, sorry. And then William McMahon, who was the father of that actor who was in Nip Tuck. Anyway, that doesn't really matter. And then after that... Julian. uh, Julian McMahon, yeah. I did not know that. In fact. And then, um, so they were kind of the last of the Menzies' protégés, kind of. They were all from that cabinet. Uh, and then McMahon was beaten, uh, or uh, the, the following Prime Minister was Gough Whitlam, uh, who broke through as the first Labor PM in nearly 23 years. Wow. So, you know, talking about growing up thinking John Howe was the only, um, like, not knowing Labor governments. Yep. It, kids then were full adults who did not, like, have a year yeah, true. Which is pretty amazing. Mm. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's a little addendum. Well, thank you for your report, Matthew. Very interesting. Yes, we do thank you. And we hey, also... who's clever? Who's a good boy? Maddie's a good boy. We also like to thank people that support the show via Patreon. Yes. Including everyone that, uh, of course, voted for this topic. It's cool that the, the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Package people were keen on this topic. Yes, I found that interesting because I think they are mainly international. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, so that is cool. And um, we would like to thank them. But also, um, if you support the show via Patreon, patreon.com slash pod, you can get uh, bonus episodes and uh, extra little things. But also, we'd like to thank some of you. I, w- I was wondering, at first, I'm like, Jess, I want you to tell us how these guys are going to mysteriously die. But you oh, could, no. if you're not, maybe not that, maybe you want to give them a ministry. Okay. At one point, Holt was the minister for uh, for trade and for something like that All as right. well. All right, great. Thanks for And he was the one. treasurer. But it could be anything. Okay. Limited only by your imagination. Right. Well, versus first person that I would like to thank has one of the coolest names we've heard. In, I say that a lot, but this is a cool name. Uh, from Lake Wales in Florida, I would like to thank Odie Matthews. Odie. The minister for Transport. <laughs> he could be anything. Wow. That is quite an important I portfolio. Panicked. Sorry, so Odie, in, but uh, trains are cool. Trains are great. I mean, you're not just, and it's not just trains. Planes and automobiles. Uh, hovercrafts, hoverboards, surfboards, jet skis, walking. Ch- chairman of the board. Yeah, you've got everything. Um, and then I would also like to thank. From Port St. Lucie, also in Florida. What? I know, that's crazy, isn't it? Another amazing name, Elvis Nalasco. That is plenty. We attract the best names. Minister for Rock and Roll. Oh, yeah. Wow. 
the king. Nailed it. And thank you, Elvis, Elvis Nalaska. That is sick. Pretty good. That is, that is cool. Wonder what his fav- favorite rock star is. Prince. Pr- Prince. <laughs> I was thinking Prince too. Matchbox 20. Wow. <laughs> really? Wow. That is up. surprising. I've seen them live. They're fantastic. I reckon that would have broken his parents' heart. Rock Imagine the, the parents call him Elvis. Yeah. Oh, he's going to be a cool rock kid. I love Rob Thomas, <laughs> but I also love it when Rob Thomas went solo and went in with Santana and did that song smooth. about being smooth, called Smooth. And I went, you're smooth. And that's the Minister for Rock and Roll. All right. <sighs> His parents just cried. Thank you. Cried. <laughs> Thank you, Odie and Elvis. Uh, You've disappointed like... your parents, Elvis, <laughs> in this act out. Anyway. I would like to thank, um, all the way from New Mexico, Jonathan Dooley. Jonathan Dooley, I like it. Let's see the minister. The minister for getting down. (laughs) Wow. Okay. That's odd. Jonathan Dooley. (laughs) What 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 is his responsibilities in that? What is he looking after? It's still also planes and trains. Right. Just underground tunnels. Yeah, yeah. He gets down on the on submarines. The yep, yep, great. So thanks, Jonathan Dooley, and I would also like to thank uh, from Brisbane. So bringing it back to uh, the city that we will be, we will be visiting in two and a half weeks, December second. Get your tickets, uh, Isabel Cox. Coxie. Isabel Cox, Smell Minister Cox. for Sexpo. Okay, the wow. sexual <laughs> expo. Wow, How have you come to that? I don't know. It just something something came from that. So thank you, Isabel Cox. Isabel Cox. Hopefully we'll see you there at the Brisbane show. Not now. Um, the me- what? Sexpo is a very big event. Cool. It needs a minister. Yeah, it needs to be bloody... Everyone, close your legs. Don't do that till marriage. <laughs> so that's the... The Robert Menzies way. <laughs> the Catholic upbringing. That's the Menzies frenzy. That's the minister. Don't do it. Ah. <laughs> Hey, guys, would you mind if I thanked, from Edmonton, Alberta, in Canada, Ooh. Dave Drayden, who, Dave of course, Drayden. as we all, we all know, any name with the same first and surname having the same uh, initial mm-hmm. is a, super ca- a superhero's alter ego. Do you know that? Oh, yeah. So, so would he be the super, the, the super he minister? Is the minister, is the, super, the minister of the supernatural... Uh, Powers. Cool. And also education. Well, double portfolio. Double portfolio. Wow. But of course, they put the most important one first. Yes. He's uh, like, he's very good friends with uh, Dr. Professor Xavier. Dr. Professor Xavier. Excellent. Is it? I don't know. Jess's own doubt here. Yeah. <laughs> I'd also like to thank from Waverley, New South Wales, Tom Novakovic. Novakovic? Novakovic. Novakovic. Sorry, Tom. I reckon it's one of those three. And Tom is the minister for... Tom is the minister for douche. <laughs> douche. <laughs> no, it's gone wrong. No, no. Douche means shower in France. He's the minister for waterways. Oh, thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. We need water. We all do. But we also need Sexpo, so thank God for his belt. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, obviously, just... Um, in the times of drought, don't use too much water, thanks. Keep your showers to four minutes... And um, shower with a friend, shower with a neighbour. Good on you. Don't shower with your neighbour. That's Tom's message. <laughs> that was his platform. I'd vote for him. <laughs> I have. 
in my mind. What? Well, that just about <laughs> brings us to the end of this week's episode. And we thank you, Matt, for your report. Thank everyone that supports the show at Patreon. One more time, patreon.com slash dogoonpod. And uh, if you want to get in contact and suggest a topic, at dogoonpod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And email. You can email us anytime on dogoonpod at gmail.com. Please do. Please. We'd love to hear from you. Even if it's not a suggestion, just a hello would be very nice. Just say good day. Or a review on iTunes. That really helps the show. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. And and, uh, if you're going out into the beach this weekend and uh, you feel the ocean's a bit too much for you and you've just, you know, maybe hurt your shoulder and nearly died in the same spot a month earlier, just don't go. Swim between the flags. Yes. I'd agree with that. Absolutely. Or not. Bloody just go for it. Let's get out of here. Thanks so much, guys. Until next time, I will say goodbye. Later. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. I'm jealous of all the country bakeries you'll be experiencing with people that are not me. It's my favourite thing, country bakeries. They are lovely. I'll definitely be going for a few Nenish tarts or vanilla slices. Mm. Oh, I love mm. a, a jelly slice. Oh, yeah. My mum makes a mean jelly slice. <sighs> Do you reckon you could hook me up? Absolutely. I stopped at a bakery on the way home. I was in Apollo Bay over the weekend and I was driving home. I stopped at a bakery in Lawn and it was sort of late in the day. but They still had some salad rolls there. And I said, oh, give us a cheese and salad roll. She goes, no problem. It doesn't have any mayo on it. Do you want me to pop some on? I said, that would be ripper. It's the service in country bakeries. Oh, that is. You wouldn't get that in a city bakery. That is unheard of. That is. Here's, here's the mayonnaise. Punch to the face. Get the fuck out of the shop. Yeah. Fuck you, they'll say. As soon as you walk in. <laughs> Hi, can no, I have fuck a fuck off. you? <laughs> get out, you bloody scumbag. That's what they say. None of them have gone out of business somehow. Mm, this is city talk. Yes, Jess, you know what you've just done? You've just given me a beautiful post credit story. That is a great secret track. People are going to be like, what a lovely way to finish the show. Aww, <laughs> that's nice. Happy to help. <laughs> <laughs>